0: Zero is accounting software that has all the features small business owners need to run a business successfully. To help ensure business success, Xero also partners directly with accounting and bookkeeping firms, giving them a suite of tools and training to become Xero experts to help them and to confidently advise businesses. Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, Zero, later in the episode. If you'd like to earn CPE credit for listening to this episode, Visit earmarkcpe.com, download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. Continuing education has never been so easy. And now, on to the episode. This is Oh My Fraud, a true crime podcast where our criminals cut checks instead of cutting you. I'm Greg Kite. And I'm Caleb
1: Newquist. Caleb, we're just going to jump
0: right into it. Does your family celebrate Christmas?
1: Yeah, I grew up celebrating Christmas and I celebrate Christmas now with my family. And um, I think I started complaining about the commercialization of Christmas uh, immediately after watching A Charlie Brown Christmas for the first time. This is like circa 1985 or so. What
0: What? What was it that got under your skin about uh, Charlie Brown? I mean, yeah, it's... Because I because I think one of the themes is there is that Christmas is too commercialized. Yeah. Like no,
1: I mean I took the I took the message to heart, Greg. That's what I'm saying. Oh,
0: oh, I get it. Okay,
1: I thought. Do we I, need okay. to start the podcast over? What just? No,
0: no, 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 no. Now I understand. <laughs> I thought you were like
1: you're like I bought this I bought this VHS tape of no, chart- no, come Christmas on, Christmas, and this is bullshit. Okay. In those days, in those days, you know, it was it was they you know it was on every year. It was on network yeah. TV, and so yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. But yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm mostly. Mm, uh, ish kidding ish but no like um I, yeah. I i picked up on the commercialization of christmas yeah. bit pretty early on and so i kind of you know i've been grumbling for decades ever since but yes nice. I, but yes i celebrate christmas
0: okay so so with those grumblings does that extend to because a lot of people have strong opinions mm-hmm. about decoration christmas decorations and christmas music do you have any strong opinions about when it's like too early to start doing Christmas decorations, or too early to start listening to Christmas music, or even like too er- when is it is it too early to start seeing Christmas shit in stores?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do have strong feelings about this. It's always too early to decorate for Christmas. It's always too early to see things things in stores, but okay. it's never too early for Christmas music.
0: Really? Yeah. That's so. That's so. Okay. So wait. So always too early to decorate. So that's like if it's Christmas Eve and you have stockings up, it's like no. I mean, that's nope. <laughs> fine.
1: That's fine. <laughs> nice, but you yeah. love Christmas music. I do like Christmas music. Um, nice. Yeah, like uh, and not this may surprise folks but not just the the secular stuff like i love like frank sinatra singing christmas music is fucking amazing to me yeah uh or dean martin like or 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 like or like darlene love like there's something about christmas music that i thoroughly Mm -hmm. enjoy but the rest of it can go to hell really that's interesting i'm i'm
0: definitely i like the old school uh christmas music i'm a bing Mm -hmm. crosby guy yeah uh
1: for christmas Notorious, um, notorious jerk, from what I understand. But oh, really? But oh, don't, b- b- don't a don't cruder. Ruin,
0: don't ruin him for me, you <laughs> son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> thing. Okay, so Caleb just fucking ruined Christmas. Uh, wel- welcome to the podcast. Look. Uh, <laughs> okay, so uh, so another thing that yes. people that everyone has opinions about, I believe, it is fruitcake. Uh, so fruitcake have you eaten it does your family ha- does your family incorporate fruitcake into it's their christmas cele- to, to the christmas celebrations mm-hmm. is it a tradition is it a joke tell me your tell me what how fruitcake is intersected with your
1: life <laughs> okay lots of questions there but i will answer all of them <laughs> uh, what about fruitcake I don't know. Have you ever eaten it? I'm not sure. Uh, Does your family incorporate fruitcake into their Christmas celebration? No. Is it a tradition? No. Is it a joke? Yes. Uh, Maybe. (laughs) Um, Here's the deal. My fruitcake experience is virtually non-existent. I I don't have any memories really of eating it Um, growing up. It's not a staple in our celebrations now. I I just mostly know it as the butt of jokes you know like they're they're hockey pucks or whatever and of course you know the nutty is a fruitcake expression you know that always struck me as weird though because i'm like wait this fruit a fruitcake has nuts in it, like what is there? What am I missing? And the right. thing I was missing was fruitcake because I had never eaten it, so I didn't know right. there were fucking nuts. In it. Yeah, yeah, it's not called a nut cake. Why yeah, is that a nut cake? It's a, it should be fruity as a fruitcake, not right. nutty, as a fruitcake. which you basically get, you get to the same place. Fruity, nutty, the same, yeah, right? I don't know, anyway. Um, okay, so here's the next question How yeah. big, j- just take a guess, how big do you think the fruitcake industry is? Oh wow i have no earthly idea but i am willing uh, to take a wild ass guess um and and since okay so the fruitcake industry is uh, part of the american junk food industry so i'd put it around like a trillion dollars
0: yeah n- yeah not even maybe the the junk food industry is probably a like a couple but this is no oh not even close oh i did i, I did some too low s- huh t- <laughs> <laughs> no, oh. uh, you way overshot it. Oh, okay. Uh, doing some, and, and this, like, don't even look in the show notes for this because this was so quick and dirty of an internet search that I did, uh, but I found that there that are there are approximately 2 million fruitcakes sold every year. Okay. So the fruitcake industry is not even anywhere near a billion-dollar industry, let alone a trillion-dollar industry, doing a back-of-the-envelope calculation. If the average fruitcake costs thirty-five bucks, which, by the way, that seems kind of high, but let's let's just use it. If the average fruitcake is thirty-five bucks, uh, then a two million fruitcakes a year—that's a seventy million dollar million with an M, seventy million dollar industry. Not mm. a big industry, but right, we do need that context because the setting for today's fraud case is deep in the heart of big fruitcake.
1: Christmas is just around the corner. Coming up. If someone asked me to guess where the world's premier fruitcake bakery was located, my guess would probably be Minnesota. Uh-huh. Uh for some reason that feels right to me. Fruitcake land. Yeah. Midwest. But actually it's yeah. it, it feels kind of Midwesty. Yeah. Comforting. Yeah. Kind of uh
0: well, uh, it feels like there's it's something, something passive aggressive about a fruitcake <laughs> that I'm not aware. <laughs> it's for, so, I don't think fruitcake makes a, 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 an appearance in the movie, uh, a Christmas story,
1: but it seems like it should. <laughs> right. Yes, yeah. Right. But actually the world's premier fruitcake bakery is the Collins Street Bakery in Corsicana, Texas. And that's about 50 miles south of Dallas. Okay. Are you familiar with this uh, Collins Street Bakery? Ne- I I've never heard of it. I, yeah, I, I yeah, I'm unfamiliar with the World's Premier Fruitcake Bakery. Yeah. Yep. So any so anyway, here's here's kind of the some background on should we call it CSB? Yeah. Collins um. Street Bakery, aka CSB was started in 1896 by German immigrants. Ah. And the legend is that in 1914, Ringling Brothers Circus this was before the 1919 merger with Barnum and Bailey. Okay. Uh, Ringling came through Corsicana and ordered dozens of fruitcakes as Christmas gifts to be mailed to friends and family across the globe, which allegedly is how Collins Street Bakery entered the not-so-high-stakes world of mail-order fruitcakes.
0: Okay. Gotcha.
1: So, that, that's kind of cool. Um, I mean, first kinda off... Kind of cool. My thoughts are... cool.
0: Leave it to the Germans to introduce something as evil as fruitcake into the world. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Germans Germans and clowns, for some reason, those aren't the two things that, that make people really comfortable and feel
1: at ease. Right. So we're gonna fast forward a long way. We're gonna fast forward a lot. Okay. Enter Sandy Jenkins. Sandy okay. is a middle aged accountant and he was, you know, he fit he fit the mold. He fit the accountant stereotype, reserved, even shy. Not what you would maybe think of as an attractive man, okay, uh, and and not much of a personality. His wife Kay Jenkins, on the other hand, was very outgoing, great at parties, and they had kind of expensive tastes. Sandy had this fledgling watch collection, and Kay had won, her gardens had won Corsicana Yard of the Month multiple times, <laughs> and um, Yard of the Yard of the Month
0: seems something. <laughs> Like if that's coveted, that's only by a very select few who would give right. a shit about having a yard yeah. of
1: the month. I'm, but you I'm know happy, it. But,
0: but you I'm, know, the, I'm happy the, when the... my yard is mowed and edged, and I go nailing <laughs> right. it. But you know that competition is like it's like blood sport, probably. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah, for the people who are, if there's a, yeah, if there's a yard of the month, there's some people who are like. Like quote unquote accidentally mowing the neighbor's rose bush under, just to you know, they're like, "What are those aphids?" They're like they're like just opening bags of aphids into their neighbor's yard, going, "I'll win it this time."
1: They'll never know it was me. <laughs> so, the Jenkins, um, they were very active in the the First Baptist Church. Okay, Sandy was Sandy was even a deacon, mm. um, and in 1995. Sandy lost his job. Sandy had a job at a utility company and um they were the folks at First Baptist they were praying for him. And uh Bob McNutt the president <laughs>
0: Bob the the president of the of the fruitcake factory is named Bob McNutt.
1: Oh. Yes. I love I love that so much. Yes. It's <laughs> It's in. It's virtually every article in the show notes has this person's name. Right, I love it. I mean, maybe not every article, but lots of articles. Uh This man, (laughs) Bob McNutt. Bob McNutt. Which is if it was just Bob Nutt, that wouldn't be as funny
0: as Bob McNutt for some some reason. Oh, I
1: love it. Okay. So anyway, (laughs) Shelley McNutt. McNutt. (laughs) (laughs) Mister McNutt. Okay. Uh, I, I believe went to this very same church.
0: Wait, were these the Brazil McNuts or were these
1: <laughs> are we gonna, Are we did we continuing this? <laughs> yes. Yes, <Okay>. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, Sandy needed a job, Greg. Sandy he Jenkins, he did Sandy they, Jenkins, and they were praying a job. for him. Yeah. Yeah, people were sending him the good vibes. And guess what? Sandy needed a job, and he got a job at CSB, at Collins Street Bakery, in his starting wage. How much? $25,000. $25,000. Oh, rolling. Rolling in that sweet, sweet fruit cake dough. Yeah, and this is the mid-90s. I don't. I was yeah. not. I was. I was not a working stiff in the mid '90s. So yeah, I don't in the mid '90s, if, if that's I, a fair salary or not, I was. I I was. You know, I was a. I was a teacher in
0: the. Uh, no, I start late '90s. I was a teacher, and that's that was maybe a little paltry even for teachers. Twenty five thousand. Mm. Yeah, that wasn't. That's not an awesome. Not an awesome wage. But I think the cost of living in Texas was less than it was in here, here. Yeah, in the great low. State of you, Utah. you could probably. You yeah. could probably you, stretch yeah, that. You, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So. Yep. Uh, so. Yeah. So Sandy started working uh, at Collins Street Bakery. His first position, he was an accounts payable clerk, and he was also the payroll supervisor. So he wore a couple of hats, uh, but he apparently was really good at it, and he was he was good at accounting. And so, uh, although interesting fact, uh, Sandy Jenkins did not have a degree in accounting. He had a degree in business administration, but he kind of fell into accounting, and he was he was good at it. Uh, after a few years of uh, at Collins Street Bakery, he was actually promoted to controller. But it's funny, hmm. uh, Caleb. I don't know if you noticed this uh, in the Collins Street Bakery's own account of this story. They referred to him as the comptroller. Did you notice? Yes, that? I, I did know, notice that. Which that's I still also. Don't,
1: I still don't know what the difference is. It's, is there, there is
0: a, no, well, there's it, no difference. The, there is comptroller is just the German word for controller. So it's the Germans that started this thing that it's their influence that's holding over even to the to present day as a comptroller sandy jenkins doubled his salary all the way up to fifty-five thousand dollars, uh which 50. It, 50 yeah sorry not 55 just 50 because i know doubling because you're a math teacher 50 gosh
1: because you're a worst. former math teacher
0: and it even says in our notes fifty thousand, and i said 55 because i'm a genius Oh no, but this is what this is where I got 55,000. I did look it up cuz I, I looked at uh, median household incomes in Texas and in 2004 the median household income was 55,000 and that was probably about the time. I, I, that's a good guess in terms of when he he got promoted to uh comptroller. So right. he was he yeah, so depending on the year he was making not quite the median household income, but his but his wife Kay was also working. She had a side gig uh, I think she had a small catering business, so probably between the two of them, they were they they probably pushed themselves over the median household income for making Texas. it work. Yeah, making it work exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so yeah, he so like I said, he was good at his job. That's where I got the promotion. He actually helped Con Street Bakery implement their first computer computerized accounting software, uh, which is a feather in his cap, and everybody was pleased with his performance. But here was one of the things. And this, this apparently uh, was tough for Sandy, is that Corsicana had a lot of old money uh, because Corsicana, Texas, they, they even have this on one of the buildings in their town, is it is the birthplace of the Texas oil industry. Apparently, the first oil that was discovered west of the Mississippi was in Corsicana, Texas. So they've got oil money. They've got old oil money and so mm-hmm. there was two there were two classes of people in town. And there's also
1: don't 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 discount the fruitcake money, Craig.
0: <laughs> right, right. There's oil money and there's fruit those there's, there's fruit two cake types of money in Corsicana. Yeah. Right. But but regardless there was the there were those who were moneyed with oil and fruitcake, and there were those who were not. And Sandy and Kay were not, so they, they so they were they were feeling a bit of the the you know the the low. And, and even that they they were middle class, but they didn't feel yeah. like they they still felt well. There's a very there's a very strong psychological compulsion among humans that mm-hmm. like we're we we compare ourselves like to figure out if we're doing okay. We just look around, and go who, how, what's everybody else doing, and if we're not doing as well as they are, that bums us out. Which is, I mean, funny, funny thing. Psychologically, way better if you uh, if you're buying a house, buy it, don't buy it in a fancy new neighborhood with uh, lots of new homes and people who drive fancy cars. Go buy, buy a house in a older neighborhood that's uh, you know that's that's a little more modest, and you're gonna feel great about about your Subaru uh cross trek. I just be Th- this, is, this is this is great life advice, Greg. Right. It is. It is. And it's also probably going to be covered in the quiz for continuing education. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. In 2003, Sandy started dipping into the Petty Cash Fund. Okay. Not quite sure why, but it was nice.
0: Oh it was like, safe not sure why like what like what he was what motivated him yeah not exactly there was cash I there.
1: Mean, yeah 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 i mean like say there's kind of this like kind of uh i don't know would you call it societal pressure that yeah. maybe he felt right some a little bit of coveting mm-hmm. right and yeah. so petty cash and i think we're going to talk about this later but you know dipping into the petty cash uh not such a big deal doesn't really day-to-day people aren't going to notice in any case on kind of an I, impulse well, well and I, yes. I would say i would say it's a big deal i think oh. stealing from your employer is a big deal oh but oh it's not it's not did big i dollars. did i not y- yes i uh, big deal in the sense of no one is going to notice if <laughs> a few like i who who knows what they keep in the petty cash fund over at collins Street right. bakery but yeah, like if if five hundred bucks goes missing from petty cash, I mean right. nobody's gonna be like, lock the place down, you know, and like right. switch right. everybody's wallets as they leave yeah. as they leave and, work.
0: And my understanding of petty cash is even in large organizations, it, I mean if you have petty cash that's two thousand bucks, people should be asking why so much.
1: Yeah, why so much? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So anyway, I think we're gonna talk about petty cash later on. Which I'm ex- yeah. kind of excited about. Anyway. I got I got um, a whole treatise on Petty Cash. Buckle up, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to buckle up for Petty Cash. <laughs> okay. But anyway, uh, back to Sandy. Uh, on an impulse, Sandy purchased a uh, very swanky, albeit used, Lexus. Um, and he told Kay, his wife, that it was a gift. It was more than he could afford, but he was a man with a plan he was going to (laughs) he was going to embezzle his way into Corsicana's upper echelon nice into that fruitcake and oil old oil money yeah so the petty cash stuff as we mentioned small small potatoes right right yeah his very first non-petty cash misappropriation was for twenty thousand (laughs) dollars
0: So from 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 uh, from something that would be lost in the five hundred to two thousand dollar petty cash, he went from those small stakes to immediately twenty thousand
1: bucks. That is, according to all of our resources in the show notes, this is consistent throughout. Twenty yeah. grand, twenty grand, Wh- okay. which
0: is weird. Which is weird to me. Maybe we're jumping ahead, but it's weird to me because mm-hmm. in other in other frauds that we've studied, it seems like people really start off pretty like uh, timidly. Where they're like, okay, I'm gonna try it for you know, like a thousand bucks and see yes. if I get cut. But his yeah. right off the bat, he's like, you know what? Throw throw twenty thousand dollars
1: on embezzlement. <laughs> let it ride. Right. Right. Yeah. He's yeah. got You know, he's 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 got he's got some uh, he's got some brass ones, Greg. Yeah. Yeah. For not having any personality, he makes <laughs> for it in, right? in, in balls. Yeah. <laughs> right. Something something is going around. Something is going on inside of Sandy Jenkins. Yeah. Greg. Yeah. Right. Yep. All right. So anyway, he prints a check for twenty grand payable to CityCard. And what was really handy for Sandy, I'm gonna remember that. What was handy for (laughs) Sandy is that the CEO whose name I'm not gonna repeat so we don't get derailed. (laughs) The CEO's signature was part of the software. So in other words, when the checks were generated the signature, the digital signature, was already on it. Okay, got it. Yes, there was so no. They didn't, they
0: didn't have to run the check to to Bob McNutt for his signature. It was already familiar, printed <laughs> with Bob McNutt's perfect sign, per, perfect cursive,
1: right there on the check. I'm not familiar with this name, but in any case, <laughs> yes, the 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 signature of the CEO was already on the check. So, i.e., there was no. Effectively, there was no authorization, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That right. that kind of derails the authorization process. Right. So, after mailing the check, after so Sandy would print the check, mail it to pay his city card, his credit card, and then he voided that check in the system. Okay. And then he printed a new check for the exact same amount. Exact same amount. But with the next number in the check series, okay, right? Okay, gotcha. And, but that was payable to a legitimate vendor, with whom they had regular purchases, right? Gotcha. And in, in, in in the ballpark, right? Yeah. So you know, you, you for twenty grand, you're not buying twenty grand of stamps. Yeah. Well, well, maybe you are. Yeah, for a mail it's a, order it's business. a ma- ma- for a mail order business maybe. Yeah, but like so yeah. that's a bad example. But in yeah, a, but you're- in other words, he was he was he was being certain to classify those expenses to something that wouldn't draw attention.
0: Right, 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 right. Something that already had a lot of expenses. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there, he's padding a big expense account with a big, you know, a big dollar bill that probably wouldn't get get uh, noticed. He's right not gonna
1: blow it out of whack yeah yeah so he he creates this check he prints it destroys it okay so the 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 i gotcha so so the
0: the one that he sends to his credit card company that goes to the credit card company the one that he prints just to make sure that there's something actually in the system he yes he destroys it so
1: yeah no i get but, and this the so check, then the, and, and think about it the check clears yeah, yeah. the check cle- the check will clear Yeah. So it isn't like the bank, the bank wouldn't be asking any questions. It wouldn't be weird. It wouldn't, the bank isn't necessarily going to notice what's going on. Right. And on the bakery side, oh, they see that the check cleared. So that reconciles. Yep. And they're not going to go, if if shit's reconciling, they're not going to go digging around to see what's what. (laughs) This episode of Oh My Fraud is sponsored by Zero. If you love listening to this podcast, you've learned that systems and processes could have prevented many of the frauds we've discussed. Having an accounting system like Xero can help a business create the processes it needs so that it can avoid becoming a future Oh My Fraud episode. Xero lets you set up multiple users, each with their own login and password, so you can accurately assign the proper access to each user. When it comes to accounts payable, Xero pushes all bills through a built-in approval process. Zero's expense management tools ensure that employees only get reimbursed for approved expenses, and because Zero connects directly to banks, you can reconcile and match transactions daily to ensure that any money coming and leaving the bank accounts is what you expected. To become a Zero partner and gain access to free tools, benefits, and rewards for your practice, head over to omifraud.promo/zero. That's omifraud.promo/xero.
0: One of the things that was unclear as I read through this it was what roles exactly Sandy had in terms mm. of the internal control process. I believe that he actually had control, so he had physical control of the checks. So he could print them himself. Uh, he obviously, like we said, the authorization side of things was was moot because. The, you print a check, and it already has a signature on it. So that part yep. was also under Sandy's control. And then I think, at, at least initially, Sandy was also the one reconciling the bank statement. So he would see him come in and go, good, good, cool, we're good, and yep. and move on. And even then, knowing most bank statements, they, don't, they just say, hey, this check number cleared for this yes. amount. It doesn't yes. say who the payee is right. on the statement. So you'd have to do some digging to figure out who – who the payee was on the actual check that cleared the Correct.
1: bank? Correct, like some bank so it's statements. Pretty good. I don't know. If, good, I don't know if, yeah, it's not bad. It it wasn't bad. Um, pretty, but still simple, right? I there not nothing yeah. super complicated about it. But he did yeah. a decent yep. job of covering his tracks. And when he was confident that he wasn't going to get caught, because he, he was confident that nobody would get caught, because nobody looked at the voided checks. So like that. Okay. Uh, right. right. Yeah. Right. Right. Nobody I, looked at the voided checks. I void checks. I mean, I'll, I'll screw one. up. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll throw one
0: in through the printer upside down on accident, and I'll void it and throw. I, I I I recently. Well, I know best practice says you're not supposed to get rid of those. You're supposed to keep them around mm-hmm. in case somebody does want to uh, inspect them. But nobody does. Nobody. Yep. Ever, <laughs> nobody ever gives a shit. Right, that they're just like okay. Every some check numbers just and and also with that you'd have to be pretty diligent to even notice a voided check because, it, it, printed checks invariably people will cash them at different rates. So anytime it's so like if a statement comes through and there's and there's checks that are missing sequentially, that's not a red flag. That just means that somebody's just hanging on to the the physical check in their desk for a while and not. You know, they're not starving for cash and running of the bank and depositing it right away. So there's right. a lot of ways that this was pretty pretty smart. I mean, like you said, simple, but still pretty smart way to
1: to to take some money from your employer. Yeah. So once he was sure he wouldn't be caught he started doing it again and again. And again. And again and again.
0: Yeah this guy he well and, and, which makes sense too that he would that he would go if, if your first your first attempt at this was 20,000 bucks it doesn't sound like you're it, it sounds like you're planning on going big right from the outset and that's and yeah. that's exactly what he did he went big because immediately he and his wife started spending a lot of money mostly all on their credit cards and their credit cards were paid off by the bakery. Uh, they they would be spending to the tune of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a month. And again, that's that's like crazy when you compare that to the fact that he makes about fifty thousand dollars annually from his salary. That he's spending five times that amount in one month. Here's some mind. That's a mind-boggling number. It it is. Yeah. It it's it it. Well, and here and here's. But but here, listen to some of the stuff that they that they bought with that money. Yeah, they, rem- they remodeled their kitchen with high end appliances and top of the line finishes, so like granite countertops, whatever the best stuff was. Like you know, Wolf appliances. They I think they had like a like a uh, bread warmer or something like that. And there some, <laughs> there was something that seemed totally uh, that's what know, jumped out at you. Yeah, the bread yeah, warmer because, because it's so it's so fucking uh, what's what's the word the kids are using nowadays? Bougie. It was the, yeah, that's the, bougie. it, it, it was a, bo- <laughs> it's like, you're sure a, that's
1: not what the kids are saying. You have like a, you pe- have some a, some people say that
0: a warmer drawer in your kitchen for bread. That's fucking bougie as fuck. That's you don't need that a
1: little bougie. Just have it's room temperature
0: bread. You, you, you bougie weenie. fuck. Uh, they installed a wine cellar in their home. They, oh, that's and, nice. And, And these things, and it it sounds like those things, I mean, again, they wanted to be part of this high society in Corsicana, so now that their kitchen's remodeled, now they have a wine cellar, and they stock their wine cellar with expensive wines, so they started uh, hosting expensive uh, brunches and dinner parties at their home, Uh, Sandy bought... You you had mentioned they had like a fledgling uh, watch collection. Yeah, when he was a kid, he started collecting them. Yeah, yeah, but and 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 so that was something he liked. I think that Mm -hmm. I think like his early life watch collection, he'd like find used ones for a steal and he'd grab it because he liked them. Now he had the money to just do it and apparently reportedly one of his watch buying sprees he purchased over $52,000 worth of Rolexes at one shot which wait, again that wait that, how much $52,000 worth of Rolexes on one <laughs> Rolex shopping trip
1: so again so he's a he's a if i if i am familiar with the terminology i suppose he's a a horologist uh oh, a horology right I, I think A watch collector? I think watch whore, I think. Is that what you're <laughs> trying to? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. He was that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly it. Uh, he bought yeah, He bought a... This is crazy. He bought a $7,200 cell phone. I don't understand that. That doesn't even make any that. sense. That
1: doesn't even make any that sense. That
0: doesn't make sense. Like, even when they had those brick cell phones that, like, only super rich yuppies had, they right. weren't, you know... They weren't in the mid any, near In but, the
1: mid two thousands, like, like what, like what were people carrying back then? They were carrying blackberries, right, or like the, the palm pilots and <laughs> Let's stuff. Let's see. Yeah, no, I were don't even palm know. Pilots were palm were seven thousand dollars. Two thousand
0: four. Yeah, two thousand four is probably the the age of the palm pilot. But in terms of a cell phone, it was like, like the flip phone, like the 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 razor. That was the that was the fancy phone in two thousand four, two thousand five. Uh, he bought, he bought a $40,000 horsehair mattress. I don't know what that is, but I know sure. it costs $40,000. And he bought a $58,000 Steinway piano. I know what that is. It's weird to think that a mattress only cost $18,000 less than his Steinway piano, but it did. The Jenkinses, they had a personal shopper at Neiman Marcus who saw them so often that she had nicknames for them. The nickname, Sandy's nickname was Fruitcake and Kay's nickname was Cupcake because that was adorable.
1: And Sa- <laughs> listen, Sandy, hey, this mother... <laughs> what? I just want to say everything I read and watched about this story br- brings us up. Okay. The, the, fuck, the fucking nicknames, the Fruitcake yeah, and the Cupcake. Everyone true. brings it up. That's true. So, you, so you're just like, Wait, this can't be, it's like, nope, everyone talks about the nicknames. Yeah, everybody, <laughs> so yeah. Just like, fine. <laughs> just like, fruitcake no, and, th- and cupcake. And I think, I, and I don't know. The, I Neiman, don't know if- the Neiman Marcus personal shopper is right. here, like giving nicknames to the, the spendy Jenkins.
0: Okay, to me, this is the pinnacle of bouginess for fruitcake and cupcake, or at least for yeah. fruitcake. Uh, yeah. because this motherfucker he had the balls to have to have jewelers come to him at work at the bakery with I, I, I'm assuming like briefcases full of jewelry to yeah. sell to him while he's at his accountant's desk at the bakery. And he and and he had the balls to to like to take a piece and walk over to a coworker and go, hey I don't know, I mean Jewelers just came to me to sell me this and I was looking at this. Do you think my wife would like like this? And I go, what what a douchebag move that it's weird, is.
1: It's a weird but move. It's a weird move a real, and it's a, it a real se- weird move.
0: It seems like he's trying to like flex on his co workers, yeah. and it seems like everybody would be like, uh too like too much. Too much fruitcake Sandy Jenkins. So that was like the pinnacle of just uh, of outlandishness it, from everything I read. Some other things, they bought a second home in Santa Fe, uh, and, and they even brought their friends from Corsicana out to their home in Santa Fe and flew them on a private jet. And speaking of private jets, in just one year, the, the year after they started writing the fraudulent checks, Sandy took... 43 private jet flights in one year. That's and like over the course of it's what? like,
1: it's like flying once a week. Yeah. Yeah. On a basically. private jet. And he's, basically, and he's the controller. Yeah. He's the, he's, he's at a, he's the controller at a fruitcake bakery. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, reportedly
0: he and Kay over the, over the course of nine years, which was the amount of time that he was skimming this money from the fruitcake factory, Uh, he, 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 the two of them combined took 223. It says over 223 private jet flights, which is, it's all, I mean, I don't know. It's so weird, Caleb, when we're reading stuff and they're like, Mm -hmm. it was over 223. And it's like, that's a very specific number. So why don't you just say they took 224? (laughs) 224. (laughs) Just say, just say 224. So I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't totally understand that. Um, the joke around town, oh, cars! These people they bought cars like it was nothing. Uh, the joke around town was that every time Sandy needed an oil change, instead he'd just get a new car. And according to the court documents, the the Jenkinses purchased 38 vehicles over the course of those nine years. So, so if you think about that, the the 223 private jet flights—that's mm-hmm. basically one a month, you know, once a month or once every other month. And then they were buying a new car, like basically four new cars every year is what... They, four cars every year. That's, Wait, is they, that right? They don't is make that right? enough cars. You're right.
1: That yeah. is. That's like four cars a year. What the fuck?
0: Um, <laughs> when it comes to cars, though, one of the things that started to show that there was at least some trepidation with what was going on was Kay's car. So Kay Jenkins... She really liked le- get, having a Lexus, but every time she got a new car, she would get the same model of Lexus in the same color. So it'd just be like a newer of the exact same car, and mm-hmm. and even there's a report that one time somebody the dealer brought her her new car and it was it was blue, but it wasn't the light blue that she usually got. So she was like, "Nope, this won't do. I need the light blue color." So you could, you know, on the one hand, you could say she likes what she likes. She likes this car and she likes that color. Um, But on the other hand, uh, and I think that there was reports of her even saying this: if 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 she wanted people to not really realize that she was getting a new car as often as she was, because she was afraid that it would raise people's suspicions, as Mm -hmm. people's suspicions should be raised. But if you look, if you listen through this list of what Sandy Jenkins and Kay Jenkins were buying, it basically is every Cardi B song. They were (laughs) buying, they listened to a Cardi B song, and they bought all of those things, and that's what they did. The other thing that sticks out to me from from this extravagant lifestyle that they were leading was that they were were involved in very conspicuous consumption, uh, but they were also like, there was this half-assed attempt to try to like camo- to kind of c- camouflage it. Like they wanted everybody to see what they were doing. I mean, why else would you have a jeweler come to your office to sell you jewels? But at the same time, they were kind of trying to go, ah, but you know, they, I, I think they were conflicted with that whole thing of going, we want everybody to think that we're these, you know, rich people. Like to the point where, did you, did you, did you
1: watch Gilligan's Island much? No. I mean, I am familiar. I am familiar with Gilligan's Island. I know, like, there's a theme okay. song and, th- and that people like. Right, that's cute. Right, uh, and so there was these two characters, Thurston Howell the Third
0: and his wife Lovey, Yeah, who were stranded on Gilligan's Island with yeah the millionaire and his wife. Yeah, yeah. it's in the it's yeah. in the song. Yeah, yes, K, uh, Sandy and Kay totally in my mind they're... Thurston Howell third and Lovey. That's that's the life that they're living. But at the same time, they were kind of going, but maybe we need to tone it down some because, because we kind of need to tone it down some. <laughs> this episode of Oh My Fraud is sponsored by Rubook Creative. Many of the frauds we talk about on this show usually have some kind of creative accounting involved. But if you want to see truly creative accounting in a non-fraudulent way, you need to check out RuBook Creative. RuBook Creative has dozens of accounting-themed greeting cards, stickers, and other gifts for accountants, including cards designed by yours truly, me, Greg Kite. You knew that I could host a podcast, but you probably didn't know that I designed greeting cards. Ruba Creative cards are great for all accounting occasions, including busy season, taking the CPA exam, luring back employees who quit, baby showers, retirement, and much, much more. Ruba Creative even has children's books for all the very young future CPAs in your life. If you want to delight all your accounting friends on their next card-worthy occasion, and get 10% off your orders by using promo code OMY oh at checkout. Head on over to omyfraud.promo oh slash rubok. That's omyfraud.promo oh forward slash R-U-B-O-O-K.
1: So people are noticing this kind of extravagant spending. And the Jenkins the Jenkinses. Jenkinses, you say that with such ease, and I cannot, I cannot say it. I like it's, to call them the Jenkinses. It's not, it's just funny to me. Yeah, but that's the plural of Jenkins. is Jenkinses. Yeah, the the plural of Jenkins is Jenkinses. The possess the possessive of Jenkins is Jenkins, and the plural is Jenkinses. Well, anyway, well,
0: like old King Wenchensloss. <laughs> 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 uh, all right. This is my favorite episode ever in the history <laughs> they, of, in the history of all my fraud.
1: These Jenkins is Jenkins <laughs> they had, they had a, yes. they had a, they had a lot of excuses, right? They, they, they could explain this extravagant lifestyle that, that, that came out of nowhere essentially. Right. Yeah. Right. People. So people were noticing and, and Sandy Claimed that his like fancy clothes, Armani shirts and Farragamo and Gucci shoes, uh, were Walmart purchases. Uh, and I don't know how anyone believed that at all. He just, right. they, they just didn't right. look at the labels, apparently. I don't know. Like, right, I, I
0: don't, yeah. If somebody says, Hey, that's a nice shirt, and you go, Thanks, it's actually, I just bought it today from Walmart, you're gonna go, Oh, that doesn't. I mean, I, I can't, I couldn't spot a fancy, if you're wearing a, a white collared dress shirt. I'm not going to be able to tell if that was Faded Glory from Walmart or if it was uh, uh, Hermes. Hermes. Fair enough. I can't even pr- pronounce that.
1: Not important. Let alone what's spot important? Lineup. What's important is that mm-hmm. there were, they they had all these they had all of these different stories. Sandy K. They both said they both they both said they inherited money, um, which is not okay. You know, in in Corsicana, Texas, not far fetched, right? in right. the cars, yeah. right? Four cars a year, right? I, <laughs> Yeah. Ridiculous, okay? Sandy explained it yeah. to me by telling people that he was a car trader. And he would say, I get new cars, but I'm able to flip them. I flip them. I'm probably paying less than you are and getting a new new car every five, six months. Clearly. <laughs> this is also ridiculous. Clearly. Yeah, yeah ridiculous, clearly, Sandy. Clearly bullshit. You, you can... You,
0: like you flip houses, you buy a shitty house and you're a carpenter and you go in and fix it up and sell it. You, you can't flip a car. Not a, not like a it's a, it's a, it's a brand new, you know, current model year Lexus. I'm flipping it. I, I
1: just bought it and I fixed it up. <laughs> I can sell it for more bullshit. Sandy Jenkins. Anyway, he said, so Sandy was explaining that, that he had this cousin who was connected or something, not connected like in the wise guy way, but like. Just had access to stuff, including the planes. So that explained the private planes. Yeah. So there's all that going on. And what else is going on is Sandy was actually not being completely truthful with Kay about where the money was coming from. But as we will get into, it it isn't clear just how much Kay knew. Right.
0: Yeah, it's not. And as as the spouse of someone who's like bringing a lot of money and you're going this, this isn't, you know, we're telling people that this is because they're both telling people that they inherited money. Mm-hmm. So she knew something was going on. Yeah. Maybe she, she didn't just didn't, have, maybe she didn't ask a lot of questions. Maybe right. he was even instructing her saying, Hey, you got to trust me uh, <laughs> and don't ask questions. You, It's better for you if you don't know. Famous, you know? famous
1: last words. Yeah, yeah.
0: Right. That seems like something straight out of like Goodfellas or something like that. Hey, it's a lot of money, but just don't don't ask a lot of questions. Uh, cupcake, which at that point sounds very derogatory. <laughs> just, <laughs> hey, uh, don't does. don't ask a lot of questions at cupcake. So, but so they're so they've got this, they got all this stuff, they got all these excuses, and Sandy. Uh, he was on average stealing about $2 million per year. Uh, the gross sales of the Collin Street Bakery in 2005 were $35 million. Now, Caleb, yes. do you remember what we're saying the entire fruitcake industry is worth? Yeah, like a trillion dollars. No, $70 million. Oh, sorry. So, so Collin Street Bakery basically uh, accounts for half of the fruitcake market, which is nuts uh <laughs> mick nuts and uh and, and so Stan, sandy is stealing if he's stealing 2 million dollars per year and their gross sales are 35 million dollars a year that means he, sandy's stealing in over 5% of their gross revenue which is a lot because when you start thinking of of pro, the, your profit to to net revenue 5 uh, over 5% Profit. That's that's a decent profit, especially in something that's got a lot of a lot of overhead and a lot of mm-hmm. you know, uh, like cost of goods sold kind of stuff going into it. He's probably taking all, if not all, uh, most of the profit that Collin Street Bakery would be making from selling their fruitcakes, and because of that, the C-suite of Collin Street Bakery they they were they knew things weren't going right. But they could, but so they were like, we had projected that we would be making much more money than we actually are. We're not, so let's try to figure it out. And they blamed, they blamed a lot of it. They were going, well, the economy sucks right now. They, they, they were going, uh, Johnny Carson is talking shit about us, <laughs> about, about, uh, fruitcakes. I mean, in 2005, it wasn't, it was, it must have been Jay Leno who was talking right. shit about fruitcakes. I don't know. They, they had just recently, uh, expanded, so they had more brick and mortar uh, retail storefronts, and so part of it it was going, hey, it's sort of the startup of this new this this new thing we're trying with these new retail storefronts. That makes a lot of sense as to why your your profits would be down, um, and so as a result of all this, though, they 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 weren't able to really. Nail like when you know the CEO, they come into me and the CEO is like going, Somebody's got to tell me why we're not making all the profits we thought we were. And it's like, Hey, boss, we maybe it's the economy. Hey, maybe it's <laughs> maybe it's the new storefront. Hey, but and he's like going, That does that's not good enough. I need solid answers. And so they examined their expenses and they were like, it, it, the, Our expenses are too high, which that's true because they're too high by about two million dollars a year because of Sandy Jenkins. But they didn't know what, but, but still they couldn't figure out why that was causing the problems because they just have more inventory. They should have sold more inventory. They, they audited their payroll to make sure that wasn't where it was. They, the business side of Collin Street Bakery couldn't figure out why they were stuck in a rut. But, and this was, this was an interesting thing, and we'll get into this a little bit more later, Caleb. Yeah. You, you read the blog post that was published by Collin Street Bakery. I did. About this whole scandal, they they one of the things that was interesting that they pointed out in that blog post is they said for a lot of of businesses, get a, a two a two million dollar a year embezzlement would have put them under, but they were a they're a, like a hundred and seventeen year old business that that's well established and that's that, that's pretty much a cash cow. And so for them, the two million bucks, it was like, this isn't good, but it's something that we can weather. And they'd be like, there's just something, you know, it's growing pains. We've been through a lot in 117 years, you've seen it all. And you're just going, yeah, sometimes weird shit happens and we can't figure it out. But, But it was bugging people. The fact that that $2 million was missing was definitely bugging people. I don't care where you live in the United States. If you're a CPA, you have to take ethics continuing education. And I don't care who you are and where you live. You hate taking ethics continuing education. That's why me, Greg Kite, and my buddy, Adam Browd, we created a podcast called Drunk Ethics, where we... Unfold and uh, expose all of the inner secrets of not just ethics, but how to become more ethical and to promote ethical behavior at your workplace. And we do that while we are getting progressively more sht faced during the course of each episode in each episode we take seven shots every seven minutes and so at the beginning we are scholarly and by the end we are drunk yet still scholarly if you're interested in this podcast which i know you are anyone can listen to the podcast for free it's out there you can find it But if you want CPE credit for it, NASBA certified CPE credit, it is a premium course on Earmark. So if you're already a subscriber to Earmark, it's going to be more than that. But listen, it's worth it because of two reasons. First off, you know your company. You know your firm's going to pay for it and not you. And second of all, it's worth it, damn it.
1: Now, enter symmetric walker she was her name symmetric a, we got to yes. point that
0: out her name yes. symmetric it's like it, it's like she's a character in the matrix she's not trinity
1: <laughs> or, or neo or dozer she's symmetric she's from the matrix right she was she, she was hired as part of the bakery's accounting department in 2011 um, when she was trained on the company's software she was told that there was a glitch in the system so that sometimes a check would be off by one digit. And I, I remember, I nice. remember her, her, uh, little, you know, the part of, I, I believe it was an American greed episode where I watched and she explained this. And I mean, you could tell she like, she's like a glitch is bullshit. <laughs> like that glitches yeah like yeah like why are we so lazy right. that we don't figure this out it's like oh it's just a glitch <laughs> right right and it's, it's no like, big deal nothing nothing yeah. wrong to see here it's
0: it's computers right. you know these computers
1: yeah these computers and it's like and, and that's clearly that's clearly something that you know sandy perpetrated right and yeah and, and like people and then what is amazing is that like people just believed it right mm-hmm. so she she kind she was new to the business and anytime you're new to an employer like these are the, the there are weird quirks like that make a business go so like to her yeah. it was probably one of these quirks right but one day in 2013 she was doing some accounting stuff and and noticed that a check had been written for postage uh, and had cleared the bank for ten thousand bucks but in the general ledger system it said the check was for twenty thousand. So okay. symmetric being kind of the thoughtful accountant say, there's a discrepancy here. Right. And she or just being a fucking accountant is like, <laughs> that's not the right number. Right. Wrong <laughs> number. Uh, so yeah. she, so she got a copy of the cash check and noticed that it was payable to capital one, which is right. But it was supposed to be payable to for postage for postage. Right. Capital yeah. one. Last I checked not in the postage business (laughs) doesn't sell stamps correct no no so symmetric knew she knew that that the bakery did not have any accounts or credit like you know no credit cards with capital one so she went to her boss to figure it out and her boss is sandy jenkins how convenient (laughs) yes perfect and sandy told symmetric that the post office didn't want to accept a company check, so he paid with his personal credit card, and the check to Capital One was meant to reimbursement to reimburse him. Uh, and she does not buy this because, you know, this is a mail order business, or it has a big, you know, mail orders are a big part of its business, and yeah, the you know the the, the postal service has never had an issue with them accepting checks. Right, so right away, like, right. yeah, she's like, something doesn't smell right, 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 and right. and the post office, it's like a stodgy if
0: there's a stodgy institution, it's the post office where they'd be they'd be like, uh, you know, if anything, they'd be like, ah, credit cards, that seems uncomfortable. <laughs> to me. Yeah. Be like, do you have do you have do you have rolls of quarters? We, we we're really looking for rolls of quarters today. Yeah. So yeah, I think it doesn't seem like the post office would prefer more modern technology of a credit card over the tried and true check anyhow. Right.
1: right. So she starts poking around symmetric starts poking around and she ran a report on all of the company's voided checks and she found 11 of them worth about $400,000. And it became clear pretty much immediately that Sandy was financing his extravagant lifestyle with Colin Street Bakery money. Yeah. So she goes to the CFO, Sandy's boss, who then reports to the CEO, who uh, kind of with maybe a hint of understatement saying, well, this explains a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. uh,
0: Was it the economy?
1: No. Was it
0: our expansion? (laughs) It doesn't seem like it. Oh, oh, and now, now I get it.
1: Everything makes sense. Right. Okay. So the next day, Sandy was called into his boss's office who demanded an explanation. And because he could not explain it, He was fired on
0: the spot, right? Well, and I think I. In, it, do you remember this? In some of the accounts, they're like they're like asking him very pointed questions. Yes, and and I think and what and like, he's and what he's and his response. Do you remember it? I do. It, 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 if I remember it right, he was like, "Well, I'm the one who writes the checks." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, and it's like you're fired. Yeah. Bye. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <Don't." laughs> don't bother don't even clean out your desk because you owe you anything any personal effects in your desk
1: you owe those to us so just get the fuck out yeah so after he's fired sandy races home and he gets two shopping bags and he fills them up with the best you know the the his, his favorite like jewelry items in the house and he and Kay drive to austin and they stashed the loot at their daughter's house. But I actually think she refused to take it, if I remember it right. Oh, okay. Um, and, but th- maybe that happens later. I, I, I don't recall exactly. But then they drove to their, they had that second home in Santa Fe. So they went there to kind of like regroup and figure things out. And yeah, this is kind of like a, a fruitcake Thelma and Louise or something. Or I don't know. Or Bonnie and Clyde, except with all right. without all the, you know. Shooting, less, I don't know. Yeah, they're, less they're mach- on the less they're on the run. Yeah, yeah, they're on the run in Texas. Yeah, like so you're just like, oh, you yeah, know, and going to New Mexico because the because somehow that feels safer. Right, right.
0: Exactly. Well, and I and that makes sense to me. If the heat's on you in, yeah. in Texas and you got another place in New Mexico, then yeah, maybe go to New Mexico for a while to figure
1: figure out what your next move is. Anyway, so about a month later the FBI shows up to the Jenkins' home in Corsicana and they just start hauling stuff out of their house right. and towing right. cars because there's very, there's several cars obviously. And around this time, Sandy was in Austin again and he noticed that he was being, or he, or he either noticed or he thought he was being followed. So he grabs a bunch of the loot and he went to Lady Bird Lake found kind of a secluded area and he started hiding stuff uh like it was an easter egg hunt at mar-a-lago or something <laughs> like i did. right yeah. and then
0: no that's because yeah because yeah. i think wasn't it like he, he was like okay i'll put this behind this random bush and this <laughs> one i'll put at the base of this
1: tree and right right yeah and then finally because because the dude had so many damn watches. Uh, he just gave up and he put the rest on the lake. <laughs> right, right. Which is, yeah, which is crazy. And so this is clearly someone who's panicking. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Somebody who's freaked out and yep. like got a, you know, maybe not of sound. Well, not of clear mind. Right. You know? Well, and, yeah. and
0: it's, and, and it's funny too, because I had a, a couple of the accounts that I read, they were like, we don't know what his motivation was for doing that stuff. We don't yeah. know if he was trying to hide evidence uh, right. or if he was going, hey, I'll, I can come back and grab this stuff later. Right. But, but if you're hiding it under a bush, like you said, he's one way or another, he's panicking and he's doing a very poor job of whatever, of, of being a criminal. Yes. He's failing criminal it's not Criminal 101. This is more... This is like a 304.
1: Yeah, this is advanced level. Stuff. Yeah. It's like when the jig is up and you got to make a getaway. Like, yeah. This is pretty advanced stuff.
0: Yeah. Criminal 304, how to properly
1: hide loot. <laughs> there you go. Professor Greg Kite. <laughs> uh, so he and Kay go back to Corsicana, but the the FBI has changed the locks on their house, okay. which is how insane... I, can they do that? They must. I, I mean, they did. They did it. So... But they managed to break into their own house and uh, tried to lay low, which, okay. of course, must have been impossible,
0: which is ridiculous. Did you right. think about that? It's like, OK, clearly our house has been plundered. We're going to be on the, the land.
1: We're going to be on the lamb in our own house.
0: Let's stay here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck are you thinking? They were just, yeah. I mean, again, they also missed that class, how to flee.
1: Right. <laughs> Fleeing right. strategies. Being on the lamb. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Um, okay, so shortly after that, an off-duty police officer was taking a leisurely stroll around Ladyburg Lake. Uh, I don't know the lake, but it sounds like that's something you could do. Um, and he stumbled across about two hundred fifty thousand dollars in gold bars, gold coins, watches, and jewelry. Uh, like if you know a messy pirate on the high seas of Ladyburg Lake was just you know <laughs> burying stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, or not or not, or not burying, just leaving things out in the open <laughs> right, right. Um, so it didn't take long for the authorities to tie this stuff back to Sandy and for the Jenkinses to be arrested and for the judge to declare them flight risks so when it was all said and done uh, Sandy Jenkins had embezzled over 16.6 million dollars by writing 888 checks over the course of eight years it would have been funner if it was 666 checks but well you know the mark of the beast yeah but i'll take
0: 888 it's close and it's still a fun number it is it's a very fun number that's a lot of checks it is and it's a lot of time time and it's a lot of money it's a lot of money So you might be asking yourself what happened to fruitcake and cupcake here's what went down kay uh she she continued to maintain that she knew nothing about sandy's scheme and that she was just surprised as everybody else at what was happening she's like oh my god this money was coming from uh you know illegal means what weird i th- we're all shocked and sandy I guess, in an honorable way, sort of. Uh, he told the authorities that Kay had played no part in the scheme and in his uh, in his misdeeds. However, what he didn't think about when he told the authorities that is that the FBI had his emails, including one that read, uh, uh, an email to Kay that read, remember, you never knew anything. So that kind of undermined that whole line of, of defense. Uh, so uh, then I it's believe it's not, not a good look. What's that? No, it's not a good look. No, it's not. It's like, it's like going, yeah, it, don't write that. Don't write that in an email. Right. So I believe it was 20 in 2015. Kay pleaded guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit money laundering. And she released. she received five years of probation uh, as her punishment, along with a hundred hours of community service and she was required to send a letter of apology to the Collins Street Bakery, which that's is such
1: a that's such a that's such a Texas sentence. The, like <laughs> I, I in in one sense, I expected her to be sent to the gas chamber, but also for her to write a formal apology. Like those two things are about as Texas as it gets. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, if it's public knowledge, that the court is forcing you to write a letter of apology that completely undermines any apology that might be in that letter there's
1: no yes you it, this is clearly, how can you how do you know if it's uh, if it's genuine remorse right
0: there's no sincerity it's that no. it's that somebody put a gun to my back and forced me to write and forced me to say I'm sorry so I'm sorry i guess that's basically even if it's eloquent that's basically what you're going to read regardless
1: you you nailed that petulant uh (laughs) child sorry greg thanks i was i used to be a middle school math teacher so but but clearly
0: i mean she didn't spend any time in jail clearly a i mean not a slap on the wrist like a pat on the wrist to Mm. k for what for what happened there sandy He in 2014, so a year before Kay pleaded guilty, Sandy pleaded guilty to one count of mail fraud, one count of conspiracy to commit money laundering, and one count of making a false statement to a financial institution, and he was sentenced to 10 years in federal prison. The court also ordered restitution jointly and severally for Sandy and Kay Jenkins. In the amount of twelve million six hundred ninety-seven thousand uh, dollars, which was just simple math that they they sold they they stole uh, almost exactly four million dollars more than that. But yeah. the authorities were able to recover four million dollars in cash, jewelry, other items that they were able to resell to the tune of four million real estate, that kind of stuff. So and and so that four million dollars obviously was returned to the bakery, but. They were still left high and dry for almost 13 million dollars and that's what sandy and Kay were required to pay in restitution when i read in the court proceedings that they were that the restitution was was required jointly and severally i was like i don't know what that means so i did look that up and that basically means that they share equal responsibility to pay that restitution which actually does come into play in a minute so here's where the epilogue gets super sad so yeah uh, so <laughs> it was fun and then you made it dry and now it gets <laughs> sad also my fault by so the way. uh so here's what happens so so they get their sentences sandy's in jail k files for divorce and does get divorced from sandy uh, in 20, so shortly after the shit hits the fan, she gets divorced from him. Um, well,
1: as you well know, it took some
0: time, but yeah, right, right, right. But well, she filed. Yeah. She at least she filed, filed pretty she much right away. Filed right yeah. a, right away, and they obviously yeah. weren't living together because he was in jail. So uh, effectively, they were, you know, they were separated and on their way to divorce. And she did divorce him while he was in jail. And then, yep. and then, this is the real bummer stuff. I. Uh, so the divorce was was granted in february 2016 so yeah it did take a little while but then the, this is where it gets really dark sandy died uh in prison uh march 15th 2019 uh reportedly from well wait i
1: i read that it was suicide the only place i where i saw that Was in the comments of the Texas Monthly article. That's where I saw it too. And I, yeah, the article. So the Corsicana Daily Sun, uh that's the local paper, right? When they reported on the story, they only said they they didn't have a cause of death. Like it was still being it was, it wasn't reported and it was under investigation.
0: So you're telling me that you're going to take the Corsicana Daily Sun uh, over a comment on a post on the internet?
1: No good. I mean,
0: I'm just gonna put journalist in quotes from <laughs> from now on. Um, but regardless, uh, yeah, Sandy, he died Sandy in, met. He, did. he died in prison, and it he was died an in prison. untimely death. He was like 70 when he passed away, mm-hmm. so it's not like he was a you know spring chicken or anything. He he lived a, a long life, but he he wasn't supposed to die. When he died, that's what I gather from all that. Mm.
1: So, Greg, did we learn anything? <laughs>
0: yeah. I. Oh, okay, good. I, I. Well, here's the thing. I learned a lot. Now, some of it was just the usual stuff that I'll, that I'll go over uh, because uh, the, clearly the Jenkinses were living way beyond their means. 39%, this is according to the ACFE's uh, report to the nation's 2022, 39% of all perpetrators of fraud exhibit the red flag behavior of living beyond their means. Fun data point. The other thing, uh, and this, uh, Caleb, it seems like we talk about this on on every embezzlement fraud that we look at, but there was the basics of internal controls were missing, and we've already kind of talked yep. about this: the uh, separation of duties, the authorization, physical control of the checks, and the uh, reconciliation of the bank account. And that was that. Like I said, that's the very basics of internal controls that was non-existent. Sandy was able to do all of those. Again, according to the ACFE's report to the nation, twenty-nine percent of victim organizations do not have adequate tr- adequate controls in place to prevent a fraud. Which I think is a very funny statistic because technically, isn't it that a hundred percent of victim organizations do not have <laughs> yeah. adequate?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like oh, is it? Yeah, because it kind of in it kind of implies that. Uh, seventy-one percent of victim organizations had airtight internal control. Right, right. <laughs> so right. It's exactly. like, wait, that can't be yeah. right. Yep, yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, the other thing that I think again from the ACFE data, which I, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, that's that's right in my wheelhouse. Uh, yeah, you think about it a lot. I do, and because I think it's fun, it's really interesting data, and it's always fun to compare cases to it. Uh, according to the ACFE, only fifty-eight percent of frauds ever result in a criminal referral. And I even checked that, so that the 58% number, that's from the 2022 report. I actually went back to the 2020 report because I thought, I always thought it was a staggeringly low amount of cases that, that resulted in a criminal referral. But I looked at the 2020 report and it was 59%. So it is uh, around that, so, but, but it still is very interesting that 40% of cases don't result in any criminal referral at all, the police or the FBI don't get involved at all, and the reason why is because the victim organizations, they don't want the bad press, and if it goes to its public record as soon as it becomes a criminal case. So in order to keep things hush-hush, they don't involve the police, but what's interesting, not only in this case did Sandy and Kay get referred to the criminal justice uh, system, but Collins Street Bakery actually went a step further and they—they they actually, I mean, big picture, they used this scandal as marketing because mm-hmm. we we talked about it before the uh, Collins Street Bakery. They they published a very very long blog post, very thorough blog post about this scandal, and it seemed like that blog post was spurred on by the release of a documentary called fruitcake fraud that was supposed to be on discovery plus and i signed up for discovery plus and guess what wasn't on discovery plus fruitcake fraud which is the fruitcake fraud fraud that was perpetrated by discovery <laughs> plus but uh, fortunately it was a free trial so i'm there's no restitution involved in that and i already canceled my subscription to D- discovery plus not uh, sponsor of the show but so obviously colin street bakery their blog is produced by their marketing department and at the very end of the the blog caleb i don't know if you remember seeing this line but at the very end of this long blog about how they got just screwed by sandy jenkins they had this little plug that said taste the cake that fueled the fraud try for yourself the fruit cake that fueled our small town scandal order our deluxe fruit cake today
1: i'm sold me
0: too. I don't want a fruitcake, but I kind of want a Collin Street Bakery fruitcake. Yeah. So,
1: I mean, no, no such thing as bad publicity, apparently. Right,
0: yeah. Well, and I, honestly, I think it's kind of brilliant because... I mean, it's,
1: it's lemons into
0: lemonade, right? Yeah. Like,
1: what do you... I mean, honestly.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, I was very clear that I don't enjoy fruitcake. I've been very tempted to order a Collin Street Bakery fruitcake yeah. because of this. And I kind of do want to taste the fruitcake that fueled the
1: fraud. I'll send you one for Christmas great. That would be wonderful. Uh
0: wouldn't that be? Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Um yeah. but so so that's so that's the basics. But but there's some other stuff that, that really that, that drove me deeper on this stuff. So do you remember this was many episodes ago. We talked about what excuses we would give. Like if if you embezzled yeah. a bunch of money, what would your yeah. excuse be? Do you remember what yours was?
1: Yes, I believe uh, inheritance. Yeah, was me, probably the first one. Yeah, me too. Inheritance and lottery; yeah. those are the two. Yeah, but, and then then winning the lottery. Yeah, yeah but, those are the two. But
0: inheritance is better because some states require, reco- like they they publish who wins the lottery. So if somebody's like, mm-hmm. if I said, "Hey, I won the lottery," they'd be like, "Let me check that." But with inheritance, can't really nope. check it so good. Right. So right. it's a, it's an easier one to to defend, um, and so obviously that's what the uh, what the jenkins's used was the inheritance excuse that was their main excuse and it seemed to fly but but and and caleb this is the very interesting thing if he inherited all that money why the hell was he still working a fifty thousand dollar a year job if he had all the money in the world to fly private jets and have a jeweler come to his work to sell him jewelry what do you think is that just the red flag that should be like, ah, he's he's the problem. Fire him.
1: No, because people like to work. Yeah, exactly. People like to work. Like, it gives them a reason to get up in the morning, you know. Yeah. Work is fulfilling for people and, and even accountants. Yeah. Even accountants are fulfilled by the work. Sorry, accountants. But like, but yeah, so I think for the most part, I think that's easy to relate to. I think people, like you hear people all the time, like when, you know, Mega Millions or Powerball or whatever gets up into the... God, now over the a billion. Right. Like most people, you you hear about winning, they don't plan to quit working. Right. You know? Right. And so I, I don't personally find that unusual. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Right. So I think the lesson learned there is definitely something to dig into if somebody at your work is like, I could totally retire, but I just, I, I get too bored and I need something to do with my day could be legit my boss at my work he's a retired general surgeon he is rolling around and he's got he's got more money than I could hope to earn in my life because well and again here's the thing from what I understand he because he he made a lot of money but there's also a lot of people who were doctors all their life who retire and they're they're you know just doing met he's doing great uh, and apparently, he made some very shrewd investments very early on. He was good with his money, and so. But then, uh, how how do I know that stuff? Because that's what he told me, and mm. but he's still he's eighty six. He still comes to work every day, and guess how much money he makes. Basically- wait, he's
1: not he's not cutting people open at eighty six. No, no, right? no. He's he's okay. retired
0: from general surgery. He still has his medical license. When I need it, when I need a quick uh, uh, prescription for a Z pack, I just go to him instead of paying pay oh. the copay to my uh, to my family practice doc. But <laughs> nice um, work. But yeah, so but he's not. Yeah, he's not. A, he's not doing surgery anymore. And his role at our company is is simply oversight that's and he's still an owner in the in the business Mm -hmm. um but his his salary from our from our company in 2022 is uh right about what is it fifty three thousand two hundred dollars a year is his salary so it's sandy jenkins money that he's making yeah so uh, and the only reason why I know for sure that he's not embezzling money from us is that I also know that he can't attach a PDF to an email. So I don't <laughs> think he's stealing money from our company. Um, that it, that's that's a true story.
1: I mean, he's 86. He's a, so I mean, yeah, <laughs> I I have to help him. tracks. Tracks. You, you wouldn't,
0: if he has to scan a document, I have to go do it for him. Cause it's not, it's, it's a,
1: it's a step. No, it's the, it's the paperclip. No, the paper, the, <laughs> no, the icon that looks like a paper. No, right. Mark. mark. Exa- oh. Exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> okay. Next thing I learned, uh, I do want to say who in the world still uses petty cash. Have you, have you ever worked at a, a business that had like a letter of the law, petty cash, like a. Like a little cash box, no, exactly. And so nowadays, really, I mean, the company credit cards are are really have really taken the place of petty yeah. cash. But at the same time, we also know that there's plenty of ways for people to embezzle money through their expense accounts or through their yep. company credit card. It's very possible. People need those need to be reconciled. And there are some products out there. I know there's a product called Divi. Their headquarters are right up the street from where I live here in Utah. I've actually done a little bit of contract work for them, and they they have cards that that just make everything very transparent and kind of lock in the amounts of money people can can spend on that. So so yeah, it makes it a lot a lot more difficult to use. But but petty cash. The way that so if if there is still a petty cash system, just like with an expense account, basically you have to at the end every time a, at any given time you can reconcile petty cash by saying, yep. hey, how much money are we supposed to have in petty cash? Oh, a thousand bucks, and then you count up the cash that's in there, and people are supposed to put receipts in for yep. when they take petty cash out. So cash plus receipts has to equal the petty cash balance, whatever that balance is maintained at. It's a very very simple audit thing that should have been happening arguably uh sandy was responsible for doing that so that's why he could get away with it but yep. again it's one of those things where you need to have a uh, possession of the asset separate from reconciliation of the asset so that's a yep. little petty cash thing
1: um and fi- i mean I, I i have to say yeah i have to say this story is that he carried out the fraud from like oh four to 13 right yeah Yep. So like, mm, you know, petty cash at that time was probably still a common practice. Like we weren't, ca- I mean, but it still seems weird that that was like the amount of money that he took from petty cash was a lot. Like you're just, it was just hard to believe that it kept getting replenished and he just mm-hmm. kept taking yeah. it. He's like, why am I doing this? I will just cut phony checks to myself. <laughs> right. Um, But in any case, I, yeah, it, that crossed my mind. Um, okay. Okay.
0: So two last things that that I that I learned from this, the person who found the uh, watches and other uh, loot that was stashed mm-hmm. at Ladybird Lake was an off-duty police officer, and you kind of think somebody who's an off-duty police officer knows like the right protocol for what to do when yep. they when valuables are found, but. I wanted to look into that further because what if it was just some random jogger who was jogging along and you know, it, like in the morning before the sun was fully out and they tripped on something they went back go what the hell did I just trip on and it's like oh a gold bar and then they go what do you what do you do what doubloons right which, <laughs> which was kind of he the dude threw gold bars in the in the lake and, and I gold know. coins I so know. yeah so it was exact it was basically doubloons. And uh, and I was like, okay, if if it was me, if I was that jogger and I found it, what's, what's the requirement for me legally for finding, if it was cash or if it was gold or if it was a bunch of Rolex watches, is it legal for me to just play finders keepers and take it home? And what I found out was an emphatic, hell no, it's not legal for you to, if you find right. it, any money, you're supposed to, uh you're supposed to give it to the authorities or at least it it depends the state to state is a little different some states you just have to like do your i guess for lack of a better word due diligence to see if you can find who the owner is but uh but basically here's what here's what i found even though you did not steal the money or the items you didn't you didn't steal it directly from its owner you are holding the money and not trying to return it holding or possessing property that you know does not belong to you constitutes theft or larceny under most state laws yep that's a big that's i I mean like i said i grew up very strongly under the finders keepers uh (laughs) statute and that's not correct if you find this shit
1: you gotta turn it in and that's the law excellent excellent takeaway greg i think i wouldn't be surprised i wouldn't be surprised if 90 percent of our audience had no clue that that was the case (laughs) right i i didn't i was like i wonder i wonder what
0: that's why i looked it up uh the last thing the last lesson that i learned also goes back to garnishment and this has actually been a nagging question for me for a few of these cases because you get the this this uh this restitution that's required for this massive amount of money that there's no way in hell they'll be able to pay back especially sandy jenkins so it was 12 million dollars it was jointly and severally you know required of him and Kay. so basically he was he was responsible for 6 million dollars of that and uh, and you think okay he's 65 and he goes into jail if he serves this whole 10 year prison sentence he's out when he's 75 when you're 70 – a 75-year-old felon is not going to be able to get a good job by any means. And then if everything you earn just goes to pay off your how, – how does that even work? Yeah, you
1: uh, – out on the street and like where do they send – where do they send your checks? Yeah. Well, How, how do you I mean, live? How are yeah, you going to yeah. live if you own – if you owe $6 million worth of restitution?
0: How do you live? And what I found – this is just for the state of Utah, but I've got to assume Utah – we don't blaze our own trail in anything, so I've got to assume this is the case in most states in the United States. In the state of Utah, restitution garnishment is limited to 25% of they they say your disposable, your weekly disposable income. But the mm. way they define it, it basically sounds like it's your net income. So whatever, it's not your gross pay from your employer, but whatever your net pay is for your employer, 25% oh, yeah, you got of that. It.
1: The, yeah, the, your state and federal income tax, they're not going to let you slide on that stuff. Right. Exactly. So, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, it, so you get, you get 70, that's the max. So you still have 75% of what you earn that you can live on. So again, when we're talking about restitution, if you have to pay $6 million worth of restitution and and only twenty five. The max is twenty five percent of your pay can get garnished. You're going to have to make twenty four million dollars, Sandy, between when you get out of prison at seventy five and when you die, to pay back your six million dollars of restitution. But obviously, again, just to make this the most bummer of a podcast, uh, poor Sandy didn't even have that chance, and poor and poor Collins Street Bakery didn't get a yeah. chance to get repaid for any of that. So that's that was my. That was that was my PhD thesis on what I learned from the Collins Street wow. Bakery. Good, good,
1: good stuff, Gregory. Thank you. Like,
0: yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I thought, like I said, this is one of my favorite cases that we've done so far. But that was me. What did you learn, Caleb? Uh,
1: you know, I think what I learned. I mean, all the stuff you mentioned is great. Um, I I think I learned uh, that Corsicana, Texas, has more than its fair share of backbiting assholes. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not i'm not kidding read that texas monthly article it's in the show notes uh-huh. like all these people that are talking to that reporter on background just assholes <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah, um kind of backbiting gossipy yeah it's
0: sort yeah sort of uh i don't re-
1: think i could have worded it any better
0: Greg. yeah kind of real housewivesy kind yeah.
1: of vibe yeah Here, the other thing and i'm surprised you to mention this but um The other thing that I, that I was reaffirmed for me is people want to, especially in small businesses, there's a large element of trust in how people run businesses and that's in, in, and there's no, I don't besmirch anyone for that attitude because I at least believe that fundamentally people are good. And so I think it's natural for people to want to trust people that they work with on a daily basis, in all these situations. And if you if you watch Bob McNutt and hear him talk about it, like you can tell, like this is <sighs> Mister McNutt. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it he he felt he felt a, he felt a deep deep sense of betrayal. Yeah, and like and 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 he you know that he felt ashamed of like putting his own business, like this this family business that you know he owes to his ancestors too and 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 to not not to mention that but like all the employees and and of of that company and you know that that like like hurts him a lot you can see it and he knows he made a mistake and like, and they don't run the business anymore. And but he also, t- to his credit, he said something very interesting. He's like, "What am I going to do? Am I going to, am I going to quit?" He's like, "I, I considered quitting because this was, this was so. All of this happened on my watch. I am, I am 100 responsible, responsible. You know, for not running this business better. But like, who better is this to take the business forward?" And I, I give him credit for like yeah. owning up to his mistakes and saying, "You know what? I screwed up real bad, and I, I, I owe everybody a lot. And so I." And, and I don't know, maybe this is part ego too, where he's like, but I'm the person to fix it. Like I'm the person who's going to take it forward. So yeah. like, it, no, I, it, it, it's tough. And, yeah. um, and you say like there, I don't know, there was something about this one where I'm like, God, there's a lot of sadness in this story. Like yeah. there's just a lot of, and we've had a lot of laughs here, but yeah. like, I like, there's also, I was like, Oh gosh, this is rough. Yeah. And, um, but anyway, but yeah, the trust, just people, people want to trust other people. And I think that we've talked about countless times is like, yeah, that's fine, but just get some internal controls. Right. Just like it, it doesn't right. have to. It do, you don't. It doesn't have to be jerks. Your yeah. internal control doesn't mean being jerks. Right. It just means doing some basic stuff yep. that you verify that things are being done. Yeah. Correctly.
0: And the Collins Street Bakery. That's that's clearly what they've done. As a result, yeah, they yeah. have implemented a lot of internal controls that they didn't have anymore. But for you. Listener and your business, maybe do that before you lose (laughs) $16.7 million worth of uh, cash out the back door. Yeah. All right. That's it for this episode. Remember, when you void a check in your accounting system, that doesn't make the actual check actually disappear in the real world.
1: And also remember, if you enjoy eating fruitcake, you're a fucking monster. (laughs) Stop listening to this podcast, not this episode, (laughs) this podcast. And please send a fruit cake to Greg Kite at 61 East. Oh, no. well, I wouldn't send it back, but, uh, yeah, uh,
0: you're a bastard, uh, Caleb. Also, uh, if you listener, who's not a bastard want to drop us a line, uh, send us an email at, oh, at earmarkscpe.com. and Caleb, where can people find you out there in the internet?
1: I'm on Twitter at C Newquist and LinkedIn backslash Caleb Newquist. Greg, what about you? Uh, Where are you on the internet?
0: Well, people can get a hold of me by sending me a letter or postcard to 61 East.
1: You're going to get hate mail. You're going to get hate mail.
0: Oh, or hopefully just a slew of (laughs) fruitcakes. And yeah, you can find my address in the show (laughs) notes. Probably not. Um, But no, on on the internet, uh, Twitter, I'm at Greg Kite. And LinkedIn, I am LinkedIn backslash Greg Kite. Pretty straightforward.
1: Oh, my fraud is written by Greg Kite and myself. Our producer is Zach Frank. If you like this show, leave us a review and share it with a friend. That's how people find the podcast. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And for the accountants, if you listen to this podcast on earmark, you can get free CPE. Nutty. Nutty. Free. Free. Ah, amazing. Join us next time for more avarice swindlers and scams from stories that will make you say, Oh Oh my my fraud."
0: fraud.